Hello everyone and welcome to Paranormalized, where our goal is to normalize the concept that life goes on after death. This is our weekly podcast facilitated by local tour agency Haunted Cincinnati, where we share personal experiences, explain the science behind ghost hunting, and attempt to answer questions about the unknown. I'm your co-host Alicia. I'm Drew. And I'm Alex. And welcome to Paranormalized. To get us started, what exactly are we doing here? We are all employees of Haunted Cincinnati Tours brought together by our fearless leader, Dan Smith. Dan is a renowned paranormal investigator who has written several books and is well-respected within the community. Through his resources, we are able to create this podcast in order to entertain ourselves and hopefully you with personal stories and factual evidence of the paranormal. If you by chance haven't heard of us, please do consider giving us a visit at hauntedcincinnatitours.com, where you can see all the tours we offer in the Cincinnati area and the overnight investigations we offer featuring a large range of haunted locations. Also, please consider following us at Haunted Cincy Tours on Instagram and like us on Facebook at Haunted Cincinnati Tours so you can stay up to date on all the information that we offer. Now, without further ado, let's get started. So, who are you? How did you get here? And why do you believe in ghosts? I'm Alex. I started working at Haunted Cincinnati in August of 2019. I needed another job to supplement hours and came across a posting for a ghost tour guide job. Alicia and I worked together at another job and I told her about it and found out that she had already been working there for over a year. So I ended up applying that day. I've had many paranormal experiences throughout my life. So telling ghost stories was something I was super comfortable with. Also, learning the stories for our main tour gave me a different perspective on my own city. I felt really welcomed in a group of fellow believers. Okay, so I'm Alicia. I started working for Haunted Cincinnati Tours in August of 2018. I had just moved to Ohio from a really small town in upstate New York a month before and was pretty desperate for work. I already had one part-time job, but I planned on getting more in order to sustain myself. Um, So I was just scrolling through Indeed, and I saw a posting for a ghost tour assistant. Um, Honestly, a part of me applied because it was funny. I mean, have you ever heard of a cooler job posting? And I grew up as a believer in the paranormal. My mom has had some experiences. My great aunt has had some experiences that blow my mind when I think about them to this day. Um, And I've never really needed a concrete experience myself to be a firm believer. Personally, I think I only had one experience myself, and it was in a dream. But now that I've had this job for two and a half years, I've dealt with so much more, and I've met people who've had these unbelievable encounters. It's pretty incredible. I'm very lucky to have had this random job posting turn into such a whirlwind experience. All right, so I'm Drew. I was brought to the Cincinnati area by rather unfortunate circumstances in the summer of 2019. When I got here, I was on my own, no friends or connections. As such, I was constantly on the job sites looking for anything that I could do. Growing up, I was always surrounded by the paranormal. My mother was always watching some form of ghost show, and my father suffered from chronic night terrors, influenced by which he would say or do some very disturbing things. I can remember having actual paranormal experiences at a young age without realizing the weight of what was happening to me. Around the time that I was 14, I myself began having chronic night terrors from which I can tell you many, many stories. So naturally, when I saw a job posting for a ghost story tour guide, I jumped at the chance. 
I was hired on in August of 2019, and to say that I have been blessed by this opportunity is a massive understatement. It's largely believed that there are four types of hauntings. So what are they and what experience do each of us have with them? So the four main types of hauntings that are largely believed to exist are residual, intelligent, demonic, and poltergeist. Residual hauntings are just residue. They are energy that occurred so much that it just got stuck on a loop. Intelligent is something that is actively trying to communicate with you. It knows that you and I both exist and it is trying to get something across. Demonic is exactly what it sounds like. It is a malevolent force that wants the worst intentions out of you and it should be avoided at all cost. Poltergeist are the famous ones from the movies where things are actually being touched, moved, thrown, um, opened, things of that nature. And Alicia, would you like to give us some examples of each type of haunting? Yeah, of course. So in terms of examples for just like a basic understanding of each type, I'll just go down the line. For residual hauntings, the best examples are things like footsteps or hearing music playing that you can't find the source of. A great example is these lighthouses in Michigan, and there is video evidence of this. People will see the lights circling in lighthouses, but there have not been working lights in the structures for years. Um, for intelligent hauntings, I think the best example is EVPs, or electronic voice phenomena, which for those who don't know, EVPs usually consist of an investigator asking questions and then getting an audible recording of an entity's answer. These are very common. Most investigators can tell you, like, dozens of EVP stories. Um, with demonic hauntings and poltergeist examples get a little tricky because they just aren't as common. Um, demonic hauntings need a host, so they normally target people who are young or seem to be of like a weaker mind. That's when they get the strongest hold and can cause the most damage. Um, that's like the classic possession scenario. With poltergeist, a malicious entity will manipulate objects instead of people. Like Drew said, they'll throw things, hide things, and cause chaos that way. Um, so each of us have our own personal experiences with the different types of hauntings. I, for instance, um, have my dreams, which is a type of intelligent haunting. I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, um, but I have had my uncle visit me in my dreams twice now. He died when I was 16, so it's eight years ago um, that he passed away, but he did not end up visiting me for the first time until my senior year of college. Um, and at that point, it was probably the most stress I had ever been under. <laughs> and it was actually one of the only times I've ever actually prayed for guidance. And that same night, I dreamed this extremely intense dream um, about me and a bunch of my classmates from this class that I was taking. And all of my classmates were dying around me. And it was super intense. Um, and I was obviously freaking out and saying that I needed help. I needed to help these people. I was going to be next. And all of a sudden my uncle was there and he kind of pulled me aside and sat me down on this love seat and just kind of told me that everything was going to be okay. Um, and I just remember waking up and just sobbing <laughs> And I had never experienced anything like it before. It was so surreal. And then it actually happened again um, right after I moved to Cincinnati because that was also a very stressful time for me. I didn't really know anyone. And I kind of asked my uncle a question one night where I was like, 
You visited me in my last most stressful time. Why haven't you visited me now when this is even worse? And then he showed me a sign the very next day and it was <laughs> kind of crazy. Luckily, I haven't been stressed to the point where I have needed him again, but it's good to kind of know that he's there. That was a very nice story, Alicia, and I don't actually think I've heard that one yet. Thanks, it means a lot. It's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, a bit. Um, so dreams do tend to be a place where a large amount of paranormal visitation can occur. While a lot of people can just write off dreams as a wild imagination, I personally have heard and experienced far too many premonitions to believe that to be true. But we'll focus more on dreams in a later podcast. Now, Alex. Yes. You have quite the story from your childhood that has all the indicators of a demonic haunting, right? I do. Strap in, folks. This is a good one. So, uh, my experience with demonic activity is unusual as far as what most people experience because most people don't experience any. I would, uh, I have two younger sisters. My sister Sarah left with my mom to go to the store, which was always a several hour event. I was 10 at the time, which made Jasper and Sarah six. So Jasper and I were home alone and decided to go upstairs to my room. And as we were at the bottom of the staircase, we looked up and we saw a humanoid head pop out of the door to her room. And Jasper and I just stopped. And the three of us were all staring at each other in this uncomfortable, awkward silence. Uh, The head was bald and had completely blue skin. And the whites of the eyes were yellow. And it felt like ages and ages. It was probably 10 seconds max. But it started to crawl the short distance from Jasper's room into my room. Uh, Its joints were backwards, like its knees and elbows, and it made these crappy cracking and snapping and popping noises as it crawled. And it was really slow, very deliberate. Like it was trying to be as scary as physically possible. So once it crawled into my room, I absolutely lost it. And so I grabbed Jasper and I grabbed our home phone and I locked us in the bathroom and we sat in the bathtub and cried. Well, I called my mom begging her to come home because there was a blue man upstairs and he was in my room. And my mom obviously thought I was lying because that sounds like the most ridiculous story. She told me later she thought I was talking about Blue Man Group, the musical group. (laughs) Uh, So she didn't come home for another hour. And Jasper and I were just in the bathtub and we could hear things going on up in my room because it was kind of above the bathroom. We heard things being dropped on the ground, things rolling on the ground, things being opened, and we were just terrified. So 10 minutes before my mom got home, the noises just kind of stopped. And so my mom came in through the front door and I like bust out of the bathroom. I was like, mom, you have to go look at my room. There's something up there. And she was just like, hmm, sure, okay. And spent her good old time putting the groceries away before she finally went upstairs and humored me. And so she goes in my room and all of the drawers in my room were open. And so I have a lot of built-in drawers. I have about 15. So all of them were open. There are two doors to the attic in my room because we live in a Cape Cod. So the attic doors were open and my closet door was open. So she turns and looks at me and was like, why would you do this? And I was like, why would I do this? I did not do this, thank you very much. And so she thought I was lying, which I guess thinking back, I would also think I was lying because why, it just was a ridiculous story. So I did not sleep in my room for four months because I was absolutely terrified. 
it was, uh, I just had this horrible, horrible feeling every time I was in my room. I couldn't be there and alone in there alone. I had to uh, sleep on the couch in the living room for four months before I finally felt comfortable going back up there again. So several years later, my mom is really into paranormal stuff. Uh, and she had a book on demonology and she was flipping through it. And there is some evidence that demons tend to present themselves as blue people or people wearing blue, especially to children. And she came to me and she was like, you will not believe what I just read. You remember that blue man story? And I was like, of course I do. (laughs) It was traumatizing. Thank you very much. And so she's showing me the book and I was like, huh. I feel quite vindicated right now. And she was like, yeah, I guess you must have been right because I don't see why you'd be lying about that. And I was like, wow, you couldn't believe me back when I was 10. But now, now that you have this fake proof, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I have spoken to people that are uh, members of the church. And it is not unusual for children to see these blue people or people wearing blue because children as Alicia said, are easy to latch on to. And a demon's true goal is to scare you and terrify you. That is what it wants to do. And that very clearly worked for me and Jasper. I was terrified to go in my room for four months. And basically since uh, it, what they believe is that since I wasn't going up there and not feeding into the fear, it just kind of decided to leave I don't know if that's what it was or if eventually I just got over it and was like, well, I'm tired of sleeping on the couch because this is uncomfortable and I'd like to sleep in my bed. So I don't know what it was, but that is my experience with demonic activity and I don't recommend it. Alex, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. I really don't want to. Um, And to make it so that I don't have to think about it anymore... Drew, why don't you tell your experience about poltergeists so we can all move on? Right. Uh, So out of the four types of hauntings, poltergeist is the one with the least amount of evidence. Because of this, some professionals think that these hauntings don't actually exist. Other professionals believe that all poltergeist hauntings are actually demonic hauntings and all the object's movements are done by the host of the demon, rather than being manipulated by some unknown force. I, however, am here to tell you that poltergeist hauntings are indeed very real. When I first ventured into the paranormal world for myself, I began a small ghost hunting group. We were quickly introduced to an abandoned farmhouse built somewhere in the mid-1800s. One of my team members at the time was related to the owner of the property. And while I could talk about all the evidence I found at this place for literally hours at a time, I will make this short. Essentially, this property was housing a very aggressive and negative spirit, and through them, I experienced—I first experienced poltergeist activity. We would be investigating in a small group together, and something would be thrown on the opposite side of the house. This would occur very often, and eventually got so bad that one team member physically saw glass fly past their face and break against the wall in front of them. Meanwhile, at my home, things began to move on their own as well. I don't believe that there was a connection to the activity in my home and the activity at the farmhouse because there had always been minor and isolated incidents at my home. I do believe, however, that me becoming aware and giving attention to the activity in my home is what made it escalate. On one instance, I was home alone because my parents were on vacation. I was just vibing, watching some TV, when suddenly the 
very shut door to my parents' bedroom was banged on repeatedly and so harshly that I could see it physically shaking. Naturally, as one does, I thought there was a break-in and I went and grabbed a knife from the kitchen and slowly made my way into my parents' room where I found absolutely nothing. Later on, I managed to actually capture the most significant piece of evidence I have ever like seen in my entire career of doing this and it was completely by accident. I was just recording a Snapchat video of my cat when several objects were suddenly torn from a shelf that they were sitting on, very much in view of the video. Uh, shortly after that, we were moving out of the house due to somehow unrelated circumstances. Uh, one of the last times I ever left the house, as I was shutting the door, something aggressively pulled the door back open with enough force that I fell back in with it because my hand was still on the handle. So as you can see, all the examples I've experienced have all been very aggressive and hostile to the point that I felt threatened. And I think as far as residual hauntings go, all of us have experienced that in some manner or form through the ghost investigations that we've done with Haunted Cincinnati, whether it be stuff like footsteps, um, hearing voices, stuff like that, or stuff like actually seeing physical anomalies. Like, I think all of us have experienced that in some manner or form through Haunted Cincinnati or on our own. It is the most common piece of paranormal evidence documented so it's not surprising that we would all see it and then not have as many significant stories about it because it's just residue there's nothing really to experience than other than hearing it or seeing it so you guys have been to way more haunted locations than i have uh, i've only been to like two or three what would you guys say is your favorite spot that you've been to so, in the past, it had been Eastern State Penitentiary, and when you go there, they will insist that they're not haunted. It's not something they like to advertise. I guess they are not one of those places that likes the ghosty weirdos to go to, <laughs> but uh, it is, there, are, there has been evidence that there are some sort of, at least residual hauntings going on there. Uh, my mom and I, we were there for a day tour. This was not a ghost tour. This was just a general tour of the, uh, facilities. And we were at the back of the group and we turned around and there were shadows that were poking their heads around the corner in broad daylight. This was not at night with flashlights. So it was very strange. My mom and I were just kind of like, hmm, that's weird. Anyway, let's catch up with the group because that's what you do in uncomfortable, awkward ghost related situations. But after being to Post Town Elementary, that is now my favorite haunted location. I would say activity-wise, Post Town is definitely my favorite as well. But what makes you say that? Like, what makes you change your mind that Post Town is better than Eastern State at this point? Like you said, there's a crazy amount of activity because you get residual and intelligent hauntings. Uh, we get... A lot of the footsteps that could be either residual or intelligent. Uh, there's the uh, button that clicks in one of the classrooms and it clicks consistently all the time, even if no one's standing near it. I thought that was really interesting because I had never seen that type of residual haunting before. But we have gotten so many EVPs at Post Town that 
uh, I was kind of blown away the one time we were there with Jason and we got seven EVPs in the same just room. right in a row. Like they were just were talking to us nonstop. And they were like genuinely answering questions. It wasn't just noises in the background. They were actual answers to the questions we were asking. So that was really incredible to me because previously I had not got that type of evidence at places I've been to. It's been a lot more residual stuff that you could probably debunk if you spent more time looking into it, that sort of thing. But uh, Post Town has a lot of cool stuff. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I can definitely test that Post Town is by far the most active location I've ever been. And another one of my favorite things about it is like the interesting dynamic that seems to be going on between the spirits there. Because when we leave recorders by themselves to just run, we'll quite often get a female voice replying to us and occasionally a male voice replying to us. But after we leave and let a recorder run and then come back and listen to the recorder, there is very clearly a male there that does not want the other spirits speaking to us. And he will degrade them and yell at them on the recordings for trying to talk to us. And then as soon as they hear us coming back, we'll tell everyone to shut the F up and like leave them alone. And then like the voices will go away. So it is a very interesting dynamic that's going on there. And just, I agree activity wise, it's the best place that I've ever been. And I love going there, but just not to just have the same answer as you. Um, I would say as far as intensity goes, Waverly Hill Sanatorium is by far the most mind numbing place to visit. The activity there is as well constant, but it is also so much more intense. There's definitely a lot of negative energy going on there, and it is actually the only place that has ever made me feel physically ill from the negative energy. They're famous for things such as the Creeper and the Big Black, um, both of which I believe I experienced while I was there. So I would say... As far as my favorite to visit repeatedly, probably Post Town, but my all-time favorite that I've been to, just because of how intense it was, would be Waverly Hill Sanatorium. And just to chime in, I also want to say that Post Town is definitely one of the craziest places I've ever been. It was really one of the first experiences that I ever had where I was experiencing multiple things going on at once, Um, and I still think about it all the time. Um, I'm definitely probably the biggest wimp out of the three of us. I don't really like being scared or being in those weird situations where they've had a lot more time to kind of deal with it. So for me, that was not the best time. So my favorite haunted location that I've been to was actually Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, uh, because I'm a giant history nerd and I just like learning about that stuff. But I went with a bunch of Boy Scouts who were all little kids and they're not really capable of handling the super intense gory parts of the Gettysburg history um so all of the things we did there were very watered down which prompted my mom brother and I to kind of separate from the rest of the group and we went and had lunch at this haunted restaurant and there was almost no one there and the owner of the restaurant decided to just come and sit down and talk with us um about everything that goes on in the restaurant Um, You know, glasses breaking, doors locking randomly, food going missing. And it really got me interested more 
in the entire subject of hauntings, even in like more of like commercial places rather than just people's homes. Because, you know, you see people's homes getting haunted on like paranormal investigation shows, but I hadn't really seen much of it happening in like actual like bars and restaurants and things. So it's really fascinating and it kind of sparked my whole interest. So can't knock that one. Gettysburg is indeed a very fascinating place. Like, it's not very often that an entire town, like, miles of an area are just confirmed to be haunted. But, like, such tragic events bring that forth. Like, it's really, like, there's different energy in that place for sure. I really want to go back. It's on my list. It's the first place I really just want to go back to. Because I didn't, I mean, now I have more experience and I want to go back and actually experience some of the hauntings there myself instead of just hearing about them. So super excited for that trip. All right, so I think that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time on Paranormalize where we'll begin discussing the basics of ghost hunting and the equipment needed to do so. Stay haunted, Cincinnati. Cincinnati.